0: Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12 within God's Word this morning. Genesis chapter 12 within God's Word. And again, it's so good to have all of you faithful, faithful summertime congregate. I I believe there's a special crown for those that are faithful on Sundays over the summertime. Amen. A special crown in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. A little boy! A little boy wanted $100. He desperately needed $100 for a new bicycle. So he prayed for two weeks for $100. And didn't get it. So he thought, I'm going to write God a letter. So he wrote God a letter requesting the $100. The U.S. Postal Service did not not know what to do with the letter. So they gave the letter that was addressed to God that gave it to President Obama and President Obama was impressed impressed with the, the little boy's sincerity so he sent him five dollars five dollars in the mail when the, when the boy uh, received the, the, the five dollars he wrote another letter to God he said dear Lord thank you very much for sending me the money however I noticed on the envelope that for some reason you had to send it through Washington, D.C. And as usual, those jerks deducted $95. (laughs) I want to talk to you this morning about blessing. Blessing. We all enjoy getting blessed. We enjoy blessings. Blessing, real blessing. What is it? Is it being blessed with a lot of money? Is that what real blessing is all about? Is it about money? In 1923, 1923, seven of the world's richest men gathered in Chicago at the Edgewater Hotel. They had one purpose in mind. These seven men whose combined wealth was more than what the U.S. Treasury had in its vaults, these seven men conspired to control the wealth of the world. What's interesting, the media had lauded the success of these men. The media, the news, had applauded them as examples of the youth of America. What's interesting is how these seven men ended up. These seven men who wanted to control the monopolies of the world. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bear on Wall Street, the Wall Street Committee, committed suicide. Leon Frazier, the president of the Bank of International Settlement, also committed suicide. Ivor Kruger, how did he end up? head of the world's greatest monopoly, committed suicide. Charles Schwab, Schwab, president of the largest independent steel company, he ended up dying a penniless pauper. Arthur Kooten, the greatest wheat speculator, he died insolvent. Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange, ended up an inmate in Sing Sing Prison. And Albert Fall, who was a member of the president's own cabinet, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. All of these seven men had learned how to make money, but not one of them learned how to enjoy a blessed life. You've heard it before. Money can't buy you one minute, one minute of real peace or real happiness. Yet we just don't learn the lesson, do we? And we work our fingers to the bone to be happy, and what do we end up with? Bony fingers. That's why I'm excited to share with you today's word. Today's word. God's blessing principle. God's blessing principle. You're either under the favor of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, or you're under... God's curse. There's no middle ground, no neutrality in this. You're under blessing or you're under curse this morning. What does it mean to be under blessing? What's the blessed life? I'll tell you, every time I sit down with people in counseling and every time I ask them this question, what do you really want for you? Nine times out of ten I hear, I want to be happy. They're saying I want to have a blessed life. Well, God has instituted in His Word the blessing principle. The blessing principle. Do you understand? Are you keenly aware of the Lord's blessing principle? I want to teach it to you this morning how you can enjoy a blessed life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, seal this word within our lives. Lord, Help us not only to be hearers of your word, but doers as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you have a sermon study guide, follow along with me. Take notes with me this morning. One of the greatest examples of God's blessing principle at work in a life is Abraham. Abraham, Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. As Abraham obeyed God's call in his life, God poured out the blessings on Abraham. God promised to make Abraham a great nation. Christian, if you'll give up, if you'll give up this world, God will give you his kingdom, an unshakable kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 6:13, "For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen." God blessed Abraham with blessings of health and wealth. I mean, God heaped such blessings on Abraham that he would be the envy of any Texan tycoon. He was a wealthy man. God blessed Abraham and Sarah not only with wealth but health. Sarah, at age 90, was so drop-dead gorgeous... This is the Bible. She was so drop-dead gorgeous that twice Abraham had to lie about her and say that she was his sister instead of his wife because he was afraid that one of the kings would kill him in order to get his wife. God blessed him so much with health that uh, Abraham at 100 and Sarah at age 90 had a baby. I would like to have that kind of a blessing. I'm not getting a lot of amens, hallelujahs. God made thousands of promises uh, to Abraham, and he makes them to us. And many of those are health and wealth, divine prosperity, blessings. God promised to make Abraham's name great. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham. The moment you become a believer, your name is changed. You have a new name written down in glory, the Bible says. You take the name of Jesus. That's why you and I are called Christians. Christ ones. We bear His name. We've been adopted into the family of God. In fact, when you're in Jesus, there's no curse. He's reversed the curse. There's only blessing. It's important to realize, write it down, God's blessings are conditional. There's an amazing truth behind Abraham's blessings. You know, when we read and how God heaped the blessings on Abraham, you know, we're often uh, prone to say, I want that. That's me, God. Pour it out. Pour it out. Uh, Lord, I want to be blessed. Lord, I want uh, uh, health and wealth. Uh, I want happiness. God, shower your favor on me. Ah, but there's a catch. There's a condition. Most of us have never read Genesis 12 verse 2 like this. Look at it. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Do you see the condition for receiving God's blessings? We must do something. Or better yet, we must be something. Notice, God doesn't bless so that we can live a a lavish, self-indulgent lifestyle. An elderly couple who had had uh, a son late in life were concerned what their boy would turn out to be. So uh, the, the aged father set up a test. When the boy was at school... He put on uh, uh, on his son's dresser some objects. He put a Bible. He put Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. I had an embarrassing thing that took place, by the way. Let me. Just, I was sharing this joke in my early morning service, and when I said Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, I had a man in the back. I'm not making this up. I had a man in the back go, "Hallelujah." I had to deal with him after service then. <laughs> this father put on the dresser a Bible, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. He, he, he put a $100 bill. He put a, a bottle of Jack Daniels. And he told his wife, he said, he picks up the Bible and chooses the Bible over uh, Sports Illustrated. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to be a pastor. I can live with that. He picks up the $100 bill uh, uh, and wisely uh, uh, puts it into savings. He's going to be a businessman. He, he, He picks up just the bottle of whiskey. He's going to end up being a lush, a drunk. They crept in the closet and they watched through a crack in the door as the young lad came home And he looked at the Bible, he looked at the Sports Illustrated and rejected the Bible and picked up the magazine and opened it up. The same token, he took the $100 bill and put it in his pocket and looked around to see if anybody was watching. Picked up the Jack Daniels and took a big swig on it. The old man looked at his wife and he said, Oh no, he's going to be a politician! When God when God blesses us it is not it is not for our greeds God blesses us so we can address the needs of others not our greeds the powerful truth behind God's blessing is this look at it on the screen we are blessed to be a blessing Uh, Unless we're willing to be a blessing, God's not going to pour out His favor. God's not going to pour out His blessings on our lives. You're going to receive from God in the same measure that you give out. Uh, A lot of people people say, God, when are you going to bless me? And God is saying, when are you going to be a blessing? It's not a fact that God doesn't want to bless. The issue of the hour is, when are you willing to be a blessing? Oh, mark it down. I want you to realize God's blessing principle is based upon His law of sowing and reaping. Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. We reap what we sow. You will see that principle from cover to cover in the Bible. you see it lived out in the narratives of the Bible, What the Bible reports and what the Bible teaches. The prophets shared that principle. The apostles teach it. Moses commanded it. Jesus undergirded it. It's throughout the word of the Lord. The sowing and reaping principle. You see, when you meet the needs of others, God always, always meets our needs. If you're generous with people in their time of need, God will make sure that others are generous to you. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Again, you will find God's law, His divine law of reciprocity throughout the Scriptures, throughout His Word. It undergirds His blessing principle. If you desire blessings to come your way, if you desire blessings to flow into your life, then have a passion to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. Jesus restated this and reconfirmed this in Luke 6.38. Jesus said, give, and what? It will be given unto you. There it is. Mark it down. Some people wrongly think that they can receive blessings just by believing. The psalmist says in Psalms 37, In times of difficulty, trust in the Lord and do good. It's not enough just to trust God. It's not enough just to believe He's going to meet all of your needs. Can you imagine finding a farmer in the middle of his field? Can you imagine a farmer in the middle of his newly plowed, barren field, and he's standing there with hands folded, head bowed, And you ask him hours later, what are you doing? And he would look you in the eye and say, I am believing, I am trusting that I am going to have a great harvest in this field. I am believing for a great corn, Michigan corn harvest. We would finally look him in the eye and say, sir, sir, believing is not enough. Trusting is not enough. You've got to plant some seed. (laughs) There it is. Plant some seed and then trust God. Plant some seed and then show belief. You see, faith always involves something that you do. Say that with me. Faith involves something I do. Faith is doing. It's more than belief. Faith equals trusting and obeying taking God at His Word, and then doing it. Trusting and obeying. I want you to notice here in Scripture the two principles. When difficulty comes, when trouble comes, when problems come, what are you supposed to do? Trust in the Lord, but also what? Do good. We must do something good. This morning, talk to me. What are your needs? What are your needs? Do you have financial needs? The best thing that you can do when you have financial needs, invest in God's work. Pastors can't pastor, missionaries can't be sent without giving into God's work. Winning the lost is God's number one priority. If you will invest in winning the lost, God will give you an abundance that you cannot contain. That's why when the ushers come every Sunday morning, we call it blessing time. It's God's avenue, it's God's method of blessing. But there's much more to this business of blessing than just giving money. It's more than tithing. It's more than giving of offerings. How many this morning are lonely? How many this morning are needing friendships? Then wake up each morning with the goal, I'm going to make somebody more blessed today than they were yesterday. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to give somebody my smile. There's an old saying, love is not love until you give it away. When you give away love, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't take a lot of time to compliment it doesn't take a lot of time or effort. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything to be an encourager. What does it cost to tell your wife right now? What does it cost to tell your wife right now, I love you. I love you. Guys, come on. You're staring at me. Duh. Duh. <laughs> Don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. What does it cost your wife to look her in the eye right now and say, I love you. I thank God for you. I want to grow old. I'm already old. No, I want to grow old with you. You're my best friend. There it is. Now don't you feel doesn't she feel better? That's right. Are you struggling with depression? I minister with people that struggle with normal depression. I will I- tell you, all the time. I'm not talking about clinical depression, I'm not talking about a chemical imbalance, I'm talking about normal, normal neurotic depression. Listen, if you're struggling with depression, visit somebody in the hospital. Go to the nursing homes, we'll give you a list. We'll give you a list of shut-ins that cannot get out of the house, they can't drive, they can't walk. We'll give you a sack of groceries and we'll point you in the right direction to be a blessing to someone. If you're struggling with depression, go on a Lakeside Assembly of God missions trip to another country where they don't even have electricity. Are you with me in this? Learn to be a blessing. But pastor, pastor, I don't feel like I have anything to give. You, you can mow somebody's lawn. You can shovel somebody's sidewalk in the wintertime. You can bring groceries to someone. You can bring a, fix a meal for a shut-in. You can find a young couple that has five children and mommy is losing her mind. She's on the threshold of insanity and you can offer to babysit those five little darlings for the glory of God and be able, or, or give them enough money to go out on a date together, uh, the couple. Pay for a babysitter. There's something that we all can do. That's the point. We all have something to give. The Bible gives us the story of, of a man that kept giving excuses kept giving excuses to God. And God wanted to use him. God wanted to empower him. God wanted to mightily, mightily set him up as an instrument of blessing to be wielded in the hands of God. And the man for two whole chapters said, God, I can't do it. I have no ability. Send somebody else. And God finally in frustration said, What's in your hand? And Moses said, A stick. And with that stick, God empowered it as it was given over to him. And it became a mighty staff that humbled the Egyptian empire, the greatest kingdom at that time. With that stick uh, stretched over the waters, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Miracles flowed forth. Power and might and victory from a dry stick of wood. What's in your hand? You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to go to cemetery. I mean seminary. You don't have to be loaded with all kinds of theology in your head in order to be used of God. What's in your hand? One day a a little boy came running to the roar of a giant and the only thing that he had in his hand was a stone and a sling. And God used it to make him a king and bring the victory to the people of God. One day the the disciples stood there as Jesus said, "Uh, you feed them. And the disciples just took their pockets and turned them inside out and said, it's impossible can't do it. There's no way out of this. And a little boy came up and said, Jesus, mommy made me a little lunch for today. But Jesus, it's all I have. But I'm going to give it to you. And Jesus took that lunch and he began to divide it and divide it divided and divided as he blessed it and it fed how many men 5,000 men who brought their women and their children scholars tell us there had to be over 20,000 people there it was a miracle because God doesn't look for ability he looks for availability what's in your hand give it to God give it to God all of us can smile All of us can say, God bless you. All of us can encourage. All of us can love. All of us can meet needs. Uh, Would you choose, would you determine to be the hand of God, uh, the the feet of the Lord, the mouth of the Lord, the heart of God, and be a blessing to somebody? For too long, God God has heard, give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. When He's going to hear you and I pray, make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. You've got something to give. You were purposed not to be a consumer. You were purposed not to be a taker. You were purposed to be a blessing. To be a blessing. You were created with purpose. Not to just make a difference. To be the difference. Now what about those people that are rude to us? Rude at the bank. Rude at the fast food restaurant. rude uh, Rudeness from the waitress who waits on us and didn't give us a greeting. Got our order messed up. Discourteous people. What about our neighbor who just all the time complains about the way we keep our yard and our dog and what have you? What about the people that are I mean, they're just stinking, thinking people. And how they treat us. How are we supposed to treat them? Huh? You heard about, you heard about the truck driver who had stopped at the truck stop to get himself some lunch. And he had there his cup of coffee, his sandwich, and his slice of apple pie. Three hell's angels come strutting in. And the first hell's angel comes up and takes a good gulp of the truck driver's coffee. Next Hell's Angels takes a big chunk out of his sandwich. The third Hell's Angels nibbled on his his apple pie and smashed it, took half of it and dumped it in his mouth. This short little truck driver and the three Hell's Angels stood there and said, now what are you going to do about it, wimp? Truck driver didn't say anything. He quietly got up. Paid his tab, left a nice tip for the waitress, calmly walked out to the parking lot. The leader of the Hell's Angels, ha, what a sissy, what what a namby-pamby, what a wimp. Did you see that, he said to the waitress? She said, sure, I saw that. I, I, I don't know what kind of a... Man, he is, but I know he's a lousy truck driver because he just ran over three motorcycles <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> what about what about the rude people, discourteous people, unloving people, hateful people that we rub shoulders with? Are we supposed to be a blessing to them as well? What did Jesus say? We're not only supposed to love one another. Anybody can love somebody that loves them back. We are especially called to love the unloving and the unlovely. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Paul the Apostle says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil does not overcome evil. Understand that principle. Paul went on to say, if your enemy is hungry, give him to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him to drink. In so doing, you pour coals of fire upon their head. In other words, You allow the Spirit of God to convict them and work upon their heart. You leave the door open for God to work in their life. Yes. So this message of, if you want blessings, be a blessing, it applies not just to those that love you, but also your enemies as well. Oh, fill in the blank with me. The closest thing to the heart of our God is helping hurting people. God loves our worship. When Lakeside gets together and lifts up her hands and praises and worships the Lord, God loves it. But He especially loves us. He especially loves when we show blessing to those who are needy, those who are hurting. Jesus said in Matthew 10 42, and if as my representatives you give even a cup of cold water to a little child, you will surely be rewarded. Matthew 25 40 Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. But, Pastor, I have too many problems. Too many problems of my own to be a blessing to people. You don't know my schedule. You don't know what's on my plate. I've got so many problems. One of the best things that you can do if you're having a problem is solve somebody else's problem. Be a blessing to somebody else's need. I find that if you want to have your problem solved, your troubles vanish, be the source of support, be the source of an answer to someone else's problem or, or need. Ever, ever run into somebody? Ever uh, greet somebody in church or out in the community and every time you greet them, you get a whole litany of their problems and their pain? I mean, the first thing when you greet them, how you doing? Ah, I've been spending my whole week at the doctor's. I've got pain here and a pain there. And I've got pains, oh, I don't know where. And you get this whole menu. Listen, when you focus on your pain, when you focus on your personal problems uh, on a daily basis, a daily constancy and consistency, it will tend to cause you to be self-absorbed, which is just a step away from self Pity, which is just another step away from depression. Depression. Don't let that happen. Choose to get out of your problem. Choose to get out of your pain by being a blessing to someone else. Becoming other-centered. Proverbs 11.25, a generous man will prosper. Who will prosper? A generous person. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Somebody needs what you have. Somebody needs what you have to share. It might not be your money. It might be your time. It may be your listening ear. It might be your encouragement. It might be your smile. Maybe just putting your arm around somebody and say, you're going to make it. I've been praying for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. That can be the opening door to heal a hurting heart. John Bunyan, the great author of the classic Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote and said this, and I quote, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who cannot pay you back. Would you take out this insert right now in your handout. Everyone, take this out if you would. I can't tell you how important this is. You have you have called me, you have elected me to be your pastor, your spiritual leader. And I want to give you a thus saith the Lord this morning. I cannot tell you how important this is to the life of Lakeside Assembly of God, the life of our church. Lakeside's back-to-school big give is an opportunity for the entire Lakeside family to be a blessing together. Would you write that down? We need to change the slide up there. It's an opportunity for the entire Lakeside family to be a blessing together. This Wednesday night, who's coming into our building? Who is coming into our facility, our worship center? Not the rich, not the influential. We are inviting in the needy and the hurting. And it distresses me as a pastor that how many can fill our pews on Sunday morning and sing with us, give me a blessing, give me a blessing. And I never have seen them on a Wednesday night at a big give to be a blessing. God help us. You want miracles in your life. You want God's favor in your life. God is especially close to those who are a blessing to others, who give to others, who support others, who are His hands extended, reaching out to the hurting, the needy, the oppressed. We work with Macomb County. We work with Macomb Charitable Organizations. We coordinate with them. These are legitimate, needy people. But pastor, I've seen some of them with expensive cell phones. You leave that with God. You're not judge. God is judge. We're doing it under the Lord. Can people sometimes filter in these situations and, and, and deceive us? Sure. But we're doing it as under the Lord. We do our best in our screening. We do our best in our vetting. We work with the agencies. They send us legitimate needs. We're called by God as a church to let Jesus be Jesus in us. And Jesus doesn't ignore pain. He doesn't look the other way. He doesn't say, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else never shows up. We need you. There's something that you can do. What's in your hand? God's put something in your hand that you can be a blessing to these that are hurting, these that are needy, at our back-to-school big gift. Our purpose is twofold. Number one, we share the love of Jesus. We give the gospel. This is not just a handout. This is a hand up in the name of Jesus. These are lost, they're blind. The greatest altar invitations that I've ever had take place at these big gifts. You will see more than a hundred people get born again and saved. It's phenomenal. This Wednesday night, I'm going to talk their language. In the first hour service, the outreach service, I'm going to share about rock stars. I'm going to share about movie stars. They know the songs, they know the movies. Some of them will get in the aisle and they'll start dancing when I put on Michael Jackson. But then I'll show how those stars ended up. And then I end up by saying, There's only one superstar. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. And I shared Jesus with them. I shared Jesus with them. I need your help. I can't pray with a hundred people individually. I need people to pray with them. I need people to shake their hand. I need people to love them. I mean, how would you, you know these people come and line up for over an hour and a half out in the hot sun before we even open the door? Would you do that? Would you go to a place you've never gone before for a handout? I'm not getting any amens. Would you do that? What does that smack against? It smacks against our dignity. These people, many of them, have lost dignity. And that's where you can come and put an armor on them and say, "You're important. You're special. God loves you, and I love you." A lot of them, they don't need. They don't need even the back to school supplies. They just need somebody to say, "Hey, you're special. I believe in you. You're important." Proverbs nineteen seventeen: When you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and He pays wonderful interest on your loan. Hey, Wall Street looks looks like it, it would like to have a major course correction. Wall Street can go bust, but God's bank is always open. And he always takes care of those who take care of the hurting, who take care of his lost children. At our big give, you can help by handing out back-to-school supplies to the children. You can help uh, by working. We're going to have a kids' carnival that we're going to put on. We need, we need all kinds of helpers with the games. If you like to make cotton candy, uh, and, and you can stay away from eating it while you make it, we could use your help. If you like to pray with people, we're going to have a prayer station that will go on for the, the entire night. And it's amazing how many people come into the prayer station, and they want prayer. Be a blessing. Be a blessing! Be a blessing! And watch what God will do. Of course, the greatest thing that we can share with people is Jesus. But much of the time, before we can share the love of Jesus, we must show the love of Jesus by being a blessing. Write it down. The miraculous can happen when we get our eyes off ourselves and turn to the needs of others. Isaiah chapter 58 says, when you feed the hungry, get a hold of this, when you clothe the naked, when you encourage the oppressed, then your life is going to break forth like the dawn. Then your healing is going to quickly come. Some have been waiting for miracles for, the, for years You've been wondering why God has been withholding. You've been wondering what the blockage is. Start being a blessing. We are, are hosting this big give, not only to share Jesus with people, not only to be a blessing to people, but Lakeside Assembly of God needs miracles. We need the miraculous to happen in individual lives and in our church corporately. People need healing. People need financial miracles. But Lakeside Assembly of God, we need a breakthrough with our construction program. We need a breakthrough of the Holy Spirit in our services. We need a divine visitation where the Holy Spirit of God comes down and empowers us for His glory and for the honor and the glory of Jesus. We need miracles. And the promise of scripture there in Isaiah, the miraculous, the supernatural takes place when we determine to be a blessing to others. God is going to show up. Lastly, the heart of God is blessing. God is a giver. You are never more like God than when you give. And when you give, I'm going to ask you this morning not to tuck that insert on the big give, the back to school big give. I'm going to ask you not to tuck it in your purse. Don't tuck it away in your Bible. I'm going to ask you to sign it this morning in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to fill it out where we can count on you. Ushers will be standing at the, the, the back doors this morning. I'm going to invite you to fill it out and hand it to an usher. And let us know on how you can help how you can serve. This is Practical Christianity 101. We all like to have a Bless Me Club in church. This is all where the rubber meets the road of not just receiving blessings, but being a blessing. Can you be prepared for that? Fill out that sheet. Hand it to an usher when you leave this morning. The heart of God is blessing. God is a giver. You are never more like God than when you give. Cindy Short, come to the keyboard right now if you would. A man came to a church much like this a man came to a church much like this and the parking lot was loaded and uh, he was driving around as some of you have done trying to find a parking spot and sure enough there was one close by the front door and he went to to pull in the space and all of a sudden heard a car horn honk! He rolled down his window The other man rolled down his window and the man said, Hey, that's my parking spot. That's my place. You're taking my place. So the visitor put it in reverse as he watched the church member pull in that empty spot. He went to Sunday school. They had adult Sunday school just before the morning church service and and he sat down in one of the chairs and a, a woman rudely nudged him and said hey that's my seat you took my place so he stepped to the back of the class and made his way through people and sat in the last chair in the in the classroom came in the church you know, you know what's gonna happen came into church and uh, sat down in the front pew and an old gentleman rudely elbowed him and said, that's my seat. You took my place. That's been my place for 43 years. You should know that. So the man sat in another place in the congregation. As the church people, as the congregation were lifting their hands and singing the songs and praying for the presence of Jesus to be among them, suddenly the man stood up in front of all of them. And the hat that he was wearing was transformed into a crown of thorns. Ugly, brutal, bleeding scars developed all over him. Nail prints in his hands. The prints of spikes in his sandaled feet. And tears were coursing down his cheeks as he looked at the congregation. He said, I took your place. I hung upon the cross for your sins. I gave my life for you. That you might know me, walk with me, and talk with me. I died in your place. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave, He gave, He gave His only begotten Son. I cannot imagine that. I gave my son to Southern California. My son now hangs out with his in-laws more than me. I'm having a real hard, you got to pray for your pastor over that. I'm having a hard time over that. The Father gave His Son Jesus. To take your place you should have died upon that cross you should have bled and been cruelly tortured for your sins but Jesus took your place how about it isn't it time that you're a giver instead of a taker Isn't it time that you're more like God, who so loved that He gave? This morning, He's calling. Oh, He's got blessings beyond compare for you, for me. But first, He's asking, will you be a blessing? Will you pray, make me a blessing so I can shower you with my blessings? Father, we come before you this morning, the name of, and we recognize, oh God, we recognize, Lord, that you're King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior who took our place at Calvary. We should have been punished for our sins, we should have received the nails upon that cross. But Lord, you took our place. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. And even though this has been a message mainly for Christians, mainly for this church, I want to give an opportunity as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to give an opportunity for souls to say yes to the love of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you committed your life to Him? Are you walking and talking with Jesus? Are you sure you're right with God? Are you sure that you have a home in heaven? I'm gonna pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation this morning. A prayer that can make you right with God. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one is looking around in the privacy of this moment if you would like to be included in a prayer that will make you right with God show your faith right now just lift up your hand lift up your hand as a sign of your faith if you'd like to be included in this prayer God bless you I see that hand God bless you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you God bless you God bless you yes nine hands lifted up for Jesus how many more this morning God bless you. Ten hands lifted up for Jesus. He took your place. He took your place. Eleven hands. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. I want everyone to pray it out loud. And especially for you that have lifted up your hands. Put your heart into what you're about to pray. Make this prayer your prayer. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now with no excuses, no defense, I confess, I have sinned, I confess, I'm a sinner, but Jesus, you're my savior, save me from my sin, wash me, cleanse me, make me brand new. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. And I thank you, Lord, that you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Jesus, I thank you that you've heard me. I thank you that I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give God the glory. So many souls accepting Jesus as Savior this morning. Stand with us. Stand with us. Stand with us, if you would, in closing this morning.